I find it so fascinating when you hear stories of people that have hit rock bottom and somehow rise to the ashes stronger and better than ever. You know, being human has its pros and cons. And as a highly analytical species, we tend to dwell on the cons. The silver lining in these cons is that they create our unique stories and no one likes to hear a boring, crappy story. Speaking of telling stories, YouTube is one of the best platforms out there to give your story a chance to be told again again and again for years. Wouldn't it be awesome to film a video today that ends up getting more views three years from now than it did in your first two years combined? That's the power of ranking and video search on YouTube. This means you are literally one video away from changing not only your life, but your future kid's life, your parents' life, even your dog's life. Unfortunately though, this epic thought tends to get smushed by thoughts of, well, there's no way you could do it, or you're not qualified, or why would anyone listen to you? These are the questions facing creators everywhere every day that we must overcome through our unique and challenging stories. On today's episode, our guest, Sean Canal, has one of the best stories out there. After struggling through a very stressful and scary family health crisis, Sean channeled the negative energy into something positive. Fast forward a few years and now Sean is a YouTuber, international speaker, and coach that helps entrepreneurs build their influence and income with online video. Sean's YouTube channels have over 700,000 subscribers and his videos have been viewed over 43 million times. He has also been featured in the 20 must watch YouTube channels that will change your business by Forbes. In this episode, we discuss why YouTube is debatably the best platform to be producing content, how to identify your biggest time sucks and outsource them, how to turn your struggles into your story and using pressure to mold you into that inner diamond. As always, you can watch this podcast with Sean and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 64, let's jump into it. live sean how you doing my man dude fired up to be here and uh hanging out with you ian i'm excited because out of many different guests that have been on the show your name is one of the most frequently names that comes up uh you are just an absolute rock star online and what i like about you is you're so relatable that you're the type of person that when you speak and inside of your trainings that i've watched you make me feel like i can do it too you know, and I think that that relatability is a huge key to your success. I appreciate that. You know, that's kind of the goal. I'm just a small town kid, college dropout, started shooting videos in my bedroom. And uh, now I'm here today. And so just trying to figure it out as I go. Yeah. And the videos from the bedroom deal is what's so interesting. It all starts with one single video where you have that aha moment. You're like, oh, damn, maybe I can build a business out of this. But I'm sure, did you have like a certain moment when you might have listen to a certain speaker or there was a certain video you watch where you're like, oh, well, you know, I see all these other guys making a lot of money online. Maybe Sean can too. The unlock for me was a book and it actually, uh, it was a book I read during the hardest season of my life. And uh, I'll keep the story short, but it's kind of an important Genesis season. And, and uh, I got married super young. Um, I got married at uh, 21 to my beautiful wife, Sonia. And uh, I think the reason why was because we're like conservative church kids and we just wanted to have sex. And so, you know, <laughs> um, so we get married and uh, we were married for a couple of years. Then my wife went on a trip and she um, got really sick. And this was right around 2007. And she, um, uh, we didn't know what was going on. She's throwing up multiple times a day. 
Now we were volunteering at a church and working multiple jobs and doing a bunch of different things, trying to pay the bills. But as her health was deteriorating, she also wasn't able to work as much or eventually couldn't work. So we were losing money. We had bought a couple houses right around 2007. We had tenants and we had the house we're living in and we're trying to, you know, do the real estate thing. But then the big short happens, the bubble bursts. So now our tenants are losing their jobs. Our finances are under attack. And uh, then on top of that, the church that I was now part-time at, some senior leaders stole some money and that thing started to fall apart as well. And uh, besides feeling like, you know, whenever leaders let you down or people you look up to, it kind of you cause you to be disillusioned. But it was also just sort of, you know, our community and our network. And so now real estate's falling apart. My wife's health is going crazy and, and we're losing jobs, we're losing money. And it was like our whole world was falling apart around us. And it got to the place where my wife almost died. She dropped down to 82 pounds and they had to place a feeding tube, Jay Junum in her stomach and they placed it wrong. So when we started administering the food, it started filling up her body cavity, which will kill you quick. It like suffocates your organs or whatever. So I threw her in a Honda Civic and rushed her to Everett uh, Hospital. They stabilized her and then we went into a, a, a sirens blazing you know, ambulance down to Seattle where I was by her side for six days in the hospital room. And Ian, you can imagine as, as now, this is like 2009, um, I, I'd been doing video at my church. I kind of was start, started, trying to start a business called Clear Vision Media where I was doing video, wedding videos and videos for small businesses, which was just an intense time. And in a time where you're afraid, you're overwhelmed, like God, why is this happening? But then I was also challenged, like, man, I got to rise up as like a leader, as a provider. I got to think entirely different. And I really need to think, I mean, we have medical bills piling up. How are we going to, what's our future going to look like? And this comes all the way back to that book. I, um, during the time in the hospital, she was asleep one day. So I walked across the street to Barnes and Noble, bought a copy of Success Magazine. And in that magazine, um, there was a CD in the middle where they'd always interview the, like the big, one of the guests. And on that CD, was an interview with a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Now, a lot of people know him today. Not as many knew him back in 2009. And he was talking about the book he just wrote called Crush It, Why Now is the Time to Cash In on Your Passion. And because I was across the street from Barnes & Noble, the next day I walked back across the street, I was in the hospital for six days, and bought the book because it was already out, it was on the shelves. And I read it while I was in the hospital room. And to this day, uh, when, when Gary wrote Crushing It, his newest book about a lot of the stories who crush it, changed their life, I made it onto the blog. And, and that story was kind of shared there where um, about how profoundly that book impacted me. And what's funny is I don't even remember leaving with a strategy. Like I didn't leave with like, I don't even know what to do next. I'm sure that was in there. But Gary's the type that's like, motivational, of course, inspirational. He's got so, so much energy. I left with kind of the confidence and awareness that I was already doing YouTube. I started a channel for my church in 2007. I was watching YouTubers. I was seeing that people were like doing it, but I, I kind of then had the confidence, like I'm going to crush it. Like this is it. I'm going to figure out how to make money online, make money on my own terms. And not because of like fame, fortune or whatever, which I think is fine. But for me, it was because of like my family. It was because of like fighting for my faith and being like, we're going to make this thing work, whatever happens with my wife's health and our future. And here's the cool thing, man. She's doing amazing, you know, through medical treatments and some different things. And now really 10 years later, a little over 10 years We've got this multi-million dollar company and that was really the genesis. I mean, there was a definitely other life events, but that was the moment where 
it was not only the clarity to go crush it, but it was also a whole nother level of fight. I find that reasons come first, results come second. And I got such strong reasons that, man, I not only need to fight for my family and money and for our future, but I also, I, I almost feel like a level of a burden for humanity that there's so many people who can get crushed by a divorce or by health challenges or by setbacks. And I was like, we can get out of this. If we keep going and we keep learning and we hang on to our faith, like there could be a bright future. And it's crazy to look back a, de a decade later and see that we're walking in that. For you to be able to see past that, that fog, right? Like you went through this intense time and you're like, I want to be an online entrepreneur. But all of a sudden you go through this crazy part of your life where emotions are fluttering and your conviction just becomes so rock solid. And you probably just become so much more confident because you have to, you don't have a choice. And that just flows through, you know, how you speak, how you talk. Do you feel like that whole incident just changed the whole tone in your voice? It did. It changed me. It, it, it was a transformational event. And I feel that it is, it's almost like problems and setbacks and obstacles can either kill us, but they say what didn't kill me only made me stronger. And I think it made, it really did. It made our marriage stronger. And I'm empathetic. A lot of times chronic illness and illness will break marriages apart. You know, a lot of times, you know, when you start mounting up medical bills and you're losing homes, that'll cause you, it'll push you into financial ruin or into creativity and financial abundance because you push and you say, there's two things I could do today. Either be under the weight of all these bills, or I can get up and go fight and find a way to pay these bills and beyond that. And that was totally it. I mean, it was, it was a challenge. And I think, I think the, the reason I got through that was a lot of things, my faith for sure as a foundation, um, but also the people around us. I think that, you know, when you're, and that goes into reading the right books, listening to the right information, but also having the right friends and family, pastors and whatever. Uh, we just had a, we've always had a great support group um, so that we could get through those hardest times of, of life and even just stay positive, keep self-belief alive. And sometimes even when we couldn't even see a year down the road or even a month and just take it one day at a time and uh, try to problem solve and figure things out. It's crazy that with, with gratitude, when you can experience gratitude, when you're so stressed and upset, it feels like this giant weight just falls off your shoulders. And there's so much people out there right now that are living with that weight that's just holding them back towards making that next move. But it's like gratitude seems to be the foundation of the birth of pretty much anything. I totally agree. And I also think there's something about, you know, I wouldn't wish that season upon anybody, but it's always the most challenging seasons that actually show us who we really are. I mean, there's something about, I heard John Maxwell say, everything worthwhile in life is uphill. And I, I think I look back, this is what's crazy. Not even just for me, my wife said, she goes, I wouldn't change it. And she's living with a chronic illness today called gastroparesis. But her confession is, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it even to this day. And I even think I'm like, well, I probably would because I mean, seeing you suffer and seeing you go through pain, but because of what it produced in us, the resilience also like it's, it's, it shows you kind of who you really are. You know what I mean? Like our true colors are never revealed in the best seasons of life. It's our, our true colors are really revealed in the hardest seasons of life. And I've also learned, especially where we, of course, as entrepreneurs are calling others to another level and we're, we're, we're 
telling others that you can be more or you can strive for more, or you can, you know, have, experience more abundance. People never relate to your success until they hear your struggle first. And it's kind of like that story and the ability to share what we've been through and what we've survived through has actually been hope and a kind of a lighthouse for so many, but it also has been, it's a credibility piece. You know what I mean? Again, nobody's like, oh, wow, so you're prospering financially because you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, got an inheritance and just like have your parents' money and that's what you're living off of. That's amazing. Teach me how you did it. You know what I mean? Like nobody, like that story and not to put that down, like that's cool. That's, I mean, that'd be pretty rad if you're born, but like there's something about it, you're right. It, it forges a confidence and a fire in you and a healthy pride with, it was like, man, we've been through some stuff. We've been punched in the face. We've been kicked. We've been down. And there, it is possible to keep fighting, to keep going. And since our message is really champion, we want to help our community win. We want to help our students win. We want to help our students overcome the challenges that they're experiencing. In fact, the vision for our company is to help 10,000 people create a full-time living, doing what they love while making a difference in the world with online video. And we know that in order to do that, yeah, it's the strategies, the tactics, mastering YouTube, but honestly, more than that, it was like Tony Robbins that said, it's really success is about 20%, the tactics, the strategies, you know, the best practices, the stuff that we like teach in our courses, sure. And it's critical. It's a critical 20%. But the other 80% is the psychology. It's the heart, the fight, the, 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 the overcoming self-doubt, the overcoming fear of what people think, the overcoming, you know, haters. Sometimes our biggest haters ourselves, that self-critical voice or that, that reason we don't press record is because of all the scripts and things going in our mindset. The reason we don't go live on Facebook is because we worry that Sarah from high school is going to see it and she's going to judge it when Sarah's probably not even watching. But, you know, all of that stuff. And, and then it's also, how do you build a business in the midst of your marriage is breaking apart? How do you build a business in the midst of battling an addiction that maybe you've been battling for three years? And you can still build in the midst of pain and even contradiction. You know, how do you build a business when you feel like an imposter because you're not really fully, you know, you're in that middle, that messy middle that we actually all are in at all the time but how do you do it? That's kind of what we hope to encourage people with is that it's possible to do that. Come on, none of us are perfect, but if you can rise up every single day and punch fear in the face and punch perfectionism in the face and press record, shoot, you can change your life tapping into the power of online video. Yeah. Super powerful stuff, man. I mean, telling that story to be able to look at every downplay in your life and just be like, wow, it's making my story better. It's making my story better. It's huge. Just like you said, especially in online marketing, we are storytellers and it's difficult for a storyteller to tell a story online versus if they're staring them at them in a person. Therefore, you need a very captivating story, something that's going to make people resonate with them. Uh, I like that what Pat Flynn says. He says that there's information all over the, the universe of the internet. Everything's already out there. But people decide who they gravitate to, who's their tribe, who's their leader that they want to get that information to. So I thank you for leading with that story. And you can just see it in your face, like that pain that you went through. I mean, I, I know, you know, me personally, I've been going through some pain in my life and, and I'm trying to utilize all that as that story filler. And I know the listeners too as well. But it's cool for you because you're kind of this, 
you know, sword in the stone of someone that went through it, stayed consistent, stayed persistent. Now your YouTube channel is absolutely crushing it. You got the dream online affiliate business where you can travel the world, you know, make money as you sleep, help people, serve people, encourage people. You're speaking at all the events. I know I first met you at Vid Summit 2019, which was an amazing event. Cool creators from all over the world. And you just, one thing I was blown away was how open all of these people were to helping people out. I think that's a pre-misconception I had when just kind of diving into this world was I kind of thought people were going to kind of be egotistical douchebags, right? You know, but yeah, people are all down to help out. And, and, and because we've been there, people have been through similar situations you've had. So your story really resonates. I appreciate that. And thank you for your kind words. Yeah, it's just, it's intense. So this whole online marketing world, there's so much different platforms. There's so much different channels. You know, a lot of times people struggle with finding the correct niche or where to market their business or who are they marketing to? They just don't know where to start. So they kind of get that uh, analytical overload and they just don't start. How do you recommend somebody kind of find that niche and, and maybe just get a start into the online marketing world? Well, I actually think, for every entrepreneur, business owner, person that's breathing, listening, that they need to be on YouTube. Now, of course I'm biased, but I'll back up my thesis with the fact that YouTube is actually a monopoly in the online video space. I mean, they're the dominant online video platform, the number one video platform website in the world, number two, second largest search engine in the world, and um, the number two most visited website in the world. And it's a free platform where you can establish your presence as a business owner, as a leader, as an influencer, whatever you want. And so I believe it's irresponsible not to be leveraging YouTube. Um, I think that, you know, Susan, the CEO, just announced that there's over 2 billion monthly active users logged in with a Gmail account watching YouTube every month, that almost 100% of millennials and Gen Z are watching YouTube, but over 50% of 70 and up are watching YouTube. So that's one out of two people that are in their legacy years, and then the arc is in between. So your target audience, your target customers, the people you're trying to reach are absolutely on YouTube. So being on YouTube is, um, I think, essential for any, anybody that wants relevancy. Furthermore, I think that YouTube could be framed this way. Any leader, author, speaker, coach, entrepreneur would have killed 20 years ago to have a primetime show on NBC, ABC, Fox 13. If you're in the news, to have a CNN segment. If you were in comedy, uh, to have a Comedy Central show. But here's the thing. YouTube is now one of those channels. It is CBS, NBC, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, like these channels are getting as much attention. They are basically the modern TV station, but you can have a show there for free. And it makes me think of some people in the space, maybe Marie Forleo. She just launched the book, Everything's Figure Outable. She's kind of a female entrepreneurship Oprah type figure. And she's been on YouTube building her brand for seven years. And she just started by answering questions in a tank top on her couch without fancy production, started the Marie TV show and has stayed consistent for seven years, uploading one video a week. I think of like a Brennan Burchard, a personal development guy. 
he's got a weekly show called The Charge Life. Now it's called The Brendan Show, and it's on YouTube. It's also his podcast. Of course, Gary Vee, The Ask Gary Vee Show, or Grant Cardone. Four different shows. He's got a show with him and his wife. He's got you know a real estate show. He's got a personal finance, make money show. And then Young Hustlers, where he has Jared Glant teach uh, the content, and it's kind of a younger entrepreneurship show. What are these leaders doing and why should we take note? Is they're establishing a signature show. In this case, simplify it. It's just like a weekly upload of thought leadership put into the world and hosted on YouTube as the primary platform. I think that is the model of anybody that wants to be relevant, that wants to have influence, and that wants to build a legacy not with some short-term social media impact. Not if you've got a digital product, you're just trying to launch it, sell it, you're gonna be in business for six months, you're trying to make a bunch of money, and then you're trying to uh, you know, go and tour Europe. And that's fine too, and probably unrealistic, the, the scenario I just even described. I don't know, even know who's actually doing that. But if, if you really wanna build something substantial and you've got a message to share with the world, you've got a product that you continue you just want to keep selling. You've got a business that you want to be in business in two years and in four years and five years. I'm saying plant your flag, stake your claim, and YouTube should be one of your primary platforms. And the reason I believe that is because YouTube is different than all of the other social media networks. While posting consistent content on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter uh, is cool, I call it the social media hamster wheel. And the reason why is because those, content, those platforms demand continual uploading. You gotta keep uploading. You gotta keep feeding the beast, if you will. You gotta keep footing, feeding Cookie Monster. No, it's the content monster, and he's always hungry. And you gotta keep posting. Three days, three posts a day on Instagram. Stories on Instagram every single day. Live streams a couple times a week on Facebook. And who watches Facebook videos from two weeks ago? Nobody. Who looks at your Instagram profile from a month ago? Nobody. Whereas YouTube is different because YouTube is a search engine. It's the second largest search engine in the world. So yes, I'm recommending doing a weekly show, but the power of YouTube is kind of like the power of compound interest or the power of how real estate grows in value over time. When you rank videos on YouTube, when you put out a quality YouTube video that gets sucked into the algorithm and, and starts showing up when someone searches something, like if someone types in like best accountant in Las Vegas, that's one thing for like a local business, or even more so, how to balance my checkbook in QuickBooks, and they discover your video, and that leads into your business, and that video is being viewed six months after you posted it, a year after you posted it, watch this, three years after you posted it, which is a reality I'm experiencing at scale in my business, I've got hundreds of ranked videos that are getting views from me while I'm on vacation, while I'm asleep, and right now, Think Media gets around 3,000 views every 60 minutes. That wasn't easy to build, but every hour, 3,000 humans discover my content and watch it organically on my YouTube channel because it's a search engine. Guess what? I use Facebook, but I got to keep posting there. I use LinkedIn right now. LinkedIn video is pretty hot like because LinkedIn's now a content platform, but I got to keep posting there a couple times a week. But on YouTube, I've got people watching videos that are four or five years old because uh, they're just videos that have ranked in search. They have SEO, search engine optimization properties to them. 
And that, I think, is the long game leverage opportunity that every business owner should be leaning in and listening to. Is that gonna be a walk in the park? Of course not. If you built a business this far, nothing is better walk in the park for you. And so it's gonna take some time to build, but it's so worth it. And especially if you're, if you're serious about building a legacy and you plan to be around five years from now, 10 years from now, you're building a library of content, of thought leadership, of prolific quality outputs, of your portfolio, that you could be proud of and that could be building your business 24 seven, 365, whether you're working or not. Whew. So simple. So it makes just so much sense, no matter what profession you're in. I mean, I like to use the example of if you're a dentist or if you're a physician or a traditional business that most likely typically isn't doing any sort of online marketing, but every profession in the world can do online marketing in some way, shape or form. Like you mentioned, becoming that thought leader, putting out consistent daily action. And when you got me so excited just there because you made me reminded myself that if you are consistent to the T, weekly content, eventually, eventually you won't lose. It's like a guaranteed success if you do it long-term enough. If you stay plugged in to people like yourself or people that are keeping you focused and you're held accountable, you can't lose. And then once you start, you get so scared to, to ever miss out, right? Like imagine going a year or two years straight. It's like, no, you're not going to miss a week. It becomes part of your religion. It becomes part of your, your culture and your life. And that consistency factor seems to be the hardest thing for people to master. Do you think that you know, maybe you could touch on how to be more consistent? And also, is there a certain attribute that you found was the hardest thing for you personally to overcome? Yeah, it's such a great question. I love how you put it. You use the word religion, which is actually really an important word because you have to have buy-in to this. Like when you think about, uh, you know, adhering to a certain religion, you have buy-in. You go to church every Sunday. You show up consistently. You, you keep doing a few rituals. And, but the thing is, it becomes a belief for you. And so that's actually what I'd hit first when it comes to consistency. You've got to actually have the belief deep in your soul and have strong enough reasons to buy into everything you just said and I just said. It makes me think of a couple examples. Roger Wakefield, the expert plumber. He's running a seven-figure uh, plumbing business in Dallas, and uh, he went to Social Media Marketing World a couple years ago, sat in one of my sessions, a few other people, and started catching a vision for this. Now he's fired his marketing company, which he was paying thousands a month, who were just like getting no results for him or mediocre results, invested fully into just content creation. I think he hired his son to just help him shoot videos and edit. And now he's not only built his channel to I think 15,000 already, he's getting like hundreds of thousands, like 100,000 views a month. He's not only, only continued to increase his physical business locally, He's expanded his influence globally and his reach around the US and he's at the ground floor of completely being a dominant plumber, residential service provider in the new era. McCain Dogs, a part of our Inner Circle program. They live in Canada, they have 70 employees, dog training business, physical location, but they also have a YouTube channel. They created a e-learning, like a digital product around dog training for those who could not be with them locally and have built a couple hundred thousand subscriber YouTube channel that fills their client pipeline, but also is now making them money online. And so you're seeing that people, Steve Panette was doing real estate in Phoenix. I think now he's in um, uh, Dallas and uh, he's only continued to become the dominant agent by using YouTube, by leveraging online video. And, and so absolutely but what is it that these 
folks have figured out? Well, number one is the belief. Is the buy-in to say, okay, it's, everybody wants, oh, those results sound great. Can I just even just buy a course or just like do a five minutes a week phone app that I install on my phone that'll just make this magically appear? No, you have to be bought in. You actually have to like, it's like if you want to do sales, you have to pick up the phone and make the call. In this case, you got to pick up the camera and hit record and be consistent to the process and be committed to the long haul, as you said, because again, success is inevitable because it's about that break, breakout video. You know, Russell Brunson, kind of famous for ClickFunnels, says you're one funnel away. See, I say you're one ranked video away. You're one YouTube video away. And it's the same idea. You really are just one video away. It might be video 157 for you. It might be video 421 for you. But one video at the right time about the right topic can change your life, your future, your legacy. It could change your kids' lives because that's the moment where things clicked, it tipped, it kind of went viral. And by the way, viral, it might have just got 52,000 views. But that could be the difference maker where now it puts you on the radar. But then the second thing, once you're bought in, once you can see how powerful this is, you go, okay, it makes sense. I get it. If I commit to the process, it's about developing smart systems. Just like anything else in business and in life, you know, we batch produce, for example. So oftentimes we'll never shoot just one video or even as a solo creator, when I was doing all of this by myself, a solopreneur, I would shoot four videos at a time. I'd plan four videos. I'd get four shirts out of my closet. I would set up a tripod and a camera and, and some lighting. I would tape my notes right below the lens of the camera. Just a little outline, not word for word. I would kind of figure out what I was going to talk about in the video. I'd hit record and I would shoot the video. Then I would change my shirt, tape the next script underneath the camera, hit record and shoot the second video. And what I was doing was I was clustering the activities. When I would edit those videos myself, I could put all those videos in the timeline myself. And, and then it went pretty fast because I already had kind of the music and the assets and everything in there. And so then boom, now I had four videos edited and then I could upload all four to YouTube, maybe on another Saturday morning, even while this was a side hustle. And what gave me leverage was what we call batch producing. And so having smart systems, and then that goes into uh, eventually team as well. You know, if you're on the side hustle, maybe you're doing it all yourself. If you're like Roger, here's why it comes back into buy-in and belief. If you're like Roger, you go, I'm going to invest resources at this. I mean, he built a little studio. He bought some gear. The cool thing is it's really not that expensive. I mean, for the kind of things people are doing in business these days, I mean, people pay hundreds of thousands to start a franchise or they'll pay, you know, thousands or tens of thousands a month to have a brick and mortar store. I'm asking you to spend just a couple grand on some gear that will give you the edge to create content. So, so yes, there's some investment there. And by the way, you could start with your phone, but Roger was like, I really want to do this. I'm going to like hire my son. I'm going to get the cameras. I'm going to spend some money to just set up a studio space in kind of our warehouse or our garage office area, whatever. And I'm going to commit to doing this. So it's commit. It's that commitment and where there's a will, there's a way. And then you start finding those systems and dialing in your processes. Cause I get it. You still have other aspects of your business to run. You still got to, you know, make calls or uh, actually deliver your services or whatever else. But every single person listening can figure out how to integrate this into their business. And it's my opinion that actually if you don't figure out how to become relevant and top of mind in your industry 
and, and develop that thought leadership and that client flow pipeline and that lead gen pipeline of leveraging YouTube and even paid ads and other online video platforms, then you are on the way to irrelevancy and possible extinction between now and 2025. Boom. So let's kind of circle back a little bit. I want to know, and this is a, a place a lot of our listeners are at right now. They want to do everything you're talking about. They're like, yup, makes sense. I'm down. Let's do the consistent. But, you know, million things get in the way. The life, the work, their family, their time, maybe they're full-time, yada, yada. You know, and they're just trying to get consistent with the, what limited resources they have. Maybe they had a few wins and they were able to make a few bucks. But at what point do you think, for you personally, I'd like to know your story, but at what point did you start to scale that team? And was that process like as beautiful, euphoric and easy as possible or was it full of challenges and what did you kind of learn there? So I learned a lot of things. I think a book I'd recommend is The E-Myth. Um, and so I started reading it, didn't even finish it, got the point and got mad and offended because I was like, well, my business is not like McDonald's. And for those who haven't heard about The E-Myth, it's highly recommended. Um, it's about the fact that as entrepreneurs, if we're a solopreneur, most of us are technicians. We're good at doing the work, like you're good at making cupcakes, but you're not necessarily uh, truly a business owner or good at being a business owner, and that means running a team that will make the cupcakes or seeing the big picture. And so as a good video editor, as a good content creator, video is my background, um, I was so, I was making the cupcakes. I was, I was in the trenches doing that. And, and you have mindsets. Ego gets in the way. Oh, nobody will be able to do it as good as me. Oh, It'll slow me down to have to train somebody. Oh, you know, all these other excuses. So the first thing that I did was I made a commitment to become better at delegating, building teams, and to become a better leader. I thought that if I read like two books, that transformation would take like a weekend, but it actually took a couple of years. And that was with me like thinking about it, wanting to get better, asking mentors about it, going to conferences, reading about it, refusing to do it, fighting my ego, and, and, but I just knew like, I just, especially because of good mentors and good coaching, whatever, I knew I had to go that way. And it just did not go as fast as I would have wanted. Next step was I begin to intentionally look for help. And here's exactly what I did. I live in Las Vegas. So I actually got, um, first was during one summer, uh, I got an intern from my uh, church. His name was Ron. Uh, he actually, now we hire him for projects today at the time. Um, he interned for free because he wanted to learn some video stuff. And so it was me getting to kind of dip my toes. I didn't, wasn't like full on hiring somebody, uh, you know, at the end of summer, I kicked him a little bit of money, but like it was me learning. And that's what I would encourage people listening. I think what people are afraid of, if you're wanting to build a team is you're like, where am I going to come up with $55,000 to hire somebody that's, you know, you're not like, you're probably going to get a virtual assistant some kind of an intern, one role delegated, one task delegated. And so that was kind of step one. Then I kept looking and I went to meetup.com, cool website. And depending on what city you're in, I went to business meetups, social media meetups, blogging meetups, podcasting meetups, video meetups, anything related, creative meetups, anything that I thought where I could just rub shoulders with people that maybe could help. That was my strategy. And I probably went once a week to one or two of these things. So I got in my car, you know, drove down, 
15 minutes from here, 30 minutes from here, 40 minutes from here. And by the way, some of these were like blogging meetups where I'd learned some stuff about SEO because I figured there's gonna be somebody in the room who maybe helps build websites or whatever. And it took me a couple months, but eventually I ran into a guy named Jay at a, 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 a meetup. And the cool thing was I'd been building my influence online. And for those that are maybe in the solopreneur season, and you got a little influence and you're doing something cool, but now you're making money too, but you're like stressed and overworked and you're like, I need help. Maybe you're even making, you know, high five, uh, six fig, but you kind of haven't moved into this season. So Jay goes, I've seen your Think Media stuff because we cover an uh, CES, a show in Vegas, a tech show where I review cameras and all this stuff. I'd go by myself. I was the videographer and I held a camera on a little monopod and a little mic. And so, you know, he's like, I've seen your videos. I was making them by myself, you know? And he's like, I'd love to help. So he actually volunteered, but I met him intentionally by going to a place where the ideal person that I want would be hanging out. And that's probably what you want to get clear on. I'd write that down. Like, who, who do you actually need? What skill sets do they have? Don't try to get a jack of all trades because what you probably want, the mistake we make is we're like, well, they need to be able to balance the checkbook, shoot YouTube videos, run a podcast, do sales on the phone. But they're probably not going to have all those skills. But I knew, and here's another thing to identify, identify what is the biggest time suck for you. The thing that you spend the most time doing and the, the clear thing for me was video editing. Even shooting videos, I can't delegate that. Like I have to be in the video. Like I have to actually think through the content and shoot it. But because it took me five, 10, 15, 20 hours a week editing, one rock, get, just getting help with video editing bought me 20 hours a week. And so Jay helped, he volunteered. I like this kind of framework because I like to either have someone at least do a test job. And by the way, always virtual assistant, have them do a test job, a test project, never hire them right off. Always do a temp period. Fast forward to today. We do a 30 day internship. Even if it's paid, we still are like, no, this isn't a contract. We're not hiring you. We are in a test phase for 30 to 60 days so that if we go, Hey, it went good. I hope you learned some stuff. Didn't really work out. No hard feelings. We're not backing out of some kind of an agreement and even like employment laws and all those other things. It's always just a contractor test phase to start. And so eventually Jay helped me get through a whole summer early on where he came on. I hired him and I started to see that here's the next tip. You got to slow down to speed up because at first it went a little slower. I had to train him a little bit. It was kind of frustrating because of course he can't read my mind. My ego is like, you should be able to. There's no way anybody should be able to. And I had to see the gap where even though I was paying out money on profit I was making from like YouTube ads and affiliate marketing, I had to realize, but the speed I'm going to get, even if this hurts for three months, it's going to give me speed, momentum, and even more profitability in the next six to nine months. And you have to be bought into that mindset. And that was the first stretch. And Jay really helped impact our business for about a year. And then the next one was Heather Torres, who today is our chief operation officer. And uh, again, a similar thing where we, we met up and, and I learned this, was, this would be the big rock for the entrepreneurs that, that need their whole business to just 10x is finding really an integrator or essentially operations. That if you're the key visionary, you're, you're doing a lot of the main communication and networking and even business development and maybe even sales and generating revenue. But at some point you need someone to like 
handle the stuff and operate the business. Um, I realized once it came to like building funnels and email marketing, which I taught myself all of, and I did all of myself at first to the best of my ability, it just was so many things that eventually she could start building landing pages and setting up web webinars. And she helped me build my first digital course and all of those things. And here's the last big tip. Met her, figured out that she'd be a good fit and said, hey, I want to hire you. I can't pay you. How's that sound? And she said, it sounds awesome. And this showed me two things. Number one, she was a true entrepreneur, intrapreneur, because she wasn't like, well, I need benefits, this salary, and da-da-da, whether or not I can prove myself or not. She knew I'm going to get results for you. And, and here's the deal. We just agreed to performance-based compensation only to start. Based off of the first digital product I created called Video Ranking Academy, it was performance-based compensation. And she was so confident, and it turns out she could back it up, that that first year, she got a percentage of our total sales. The second year, she got a percentage plus uh, uh, like kind of a base salary or just a monthly amount as a contractor. And by year three, she was like full on. And now we're like in year four and she's crushing. Her husband's actually doing sales now and all kinds of stuff. So she saw the potential to grow into what our company was doing as it, as it was growing. So that was our path. I know that people launching startups, they maybe get seed funding and they hire 20 people and they do it a whole different way and there could be different advice. For the kind of independent kind of content creator or, or if you will, social media influencer, author, speaker, coach, someone that's kind of building a personal brand as an entrepreneur and you're, you've, you're doing it solo and doing everything yourself. I think there's a lot of nuggets in there because those are probably the stages and the layers that you may go through trying to build your team. Yeah, man. Finding someone that buys into it the same way you do, that's everything, right? Like seeing someone that wants to be there because of the adventure. But on the flip side, you know, in traditional startups, you got to be really careful about that, right? Because if a company does bring in a lot of funding and they do hire a big team and, you know, they say that you're going to promise you the world, you got to be careful, you know, in general, like as somebody that's joining a team, a startup or whatnot, you know, personally, I love startups. I think it's so exciting. I just love being a part of a culture and a community that can go and build everything. I'm in a traditional startup currently. Uh, but you know, you got to make sure you're, you're covering your bases. But as an online entrepreneur, you can find someone to grow into that. And those are red flags, right? That you see right in the beginning. If someone's like, I need that base, I need that Bob. Those are red flags because they might be needing more stuff down the road versus someone that's going to just work towards the end mission. And one thing you said, brought up what we were talking about before about this whole idea that, you know, when you go through life struggles, you know, when everything goes to hell, it seems like everything's falling apart. That's sometimes is when people kind of spread their wings and start flying as an entrepreneur and as a boss or as somebody running a team, your job is to deal with fires. So if you don't have to, if you haven't dealt with fires in your life, how are you going to deal with fires in a business? And I think that that, that confidence that comes from life's hardships is really what takes us to the next level. Would you agree? Amen. 100%. That's a good point. And, and because true, not only fires, but like new levels of stress, new levels of, you know, now fast forward to today. And we have, I believe one of the most remarkable teams in our space, but we've also had a couple people turn over. You know what I mean? You have, you have, as my friend, Sarah Beth yoga puts it, sometimes you have to kiss a few frogs before you find the prince. Um, and, and that's kind of part of the journey. And, and, and then when you think about that, I'm now at a level where, you know, 
or you just, as you grow into business, where our first conference we, lo- we launched, uh, we lost 20 grand when it was all said and done. Uh, where you hire somebody that agrees to be with you for a year and then you invest your team who you're paying, like Heather, to train someone and you pay them and the person you're training and then that person's like, yeah, I'll be around. And then they're gone in two months. So all you did was waste time, waste money and had sideways energy. And now you feel like, shoot, all I did was lose two months. But that's the name of the game. Like, like literally getting punched in the face consistently and getting setbacks. And so, yeah, you have to, I, if I would have, if I would have lost $20,000 on an event when I was 21, you know what I mean? In one fell swoop, I would have lost my mind. I mean, not to be you know, morbid or insensitive, but like, I'd be like, dude, I'm jumping off a bridge, like 20 grand, you know? And now it's like, this is like a daily occurrence. Like, oh, what we, you know what I mean? Like it's the ups and downs of, of building a business. And that's where I think, at least for me too, it was growing into this stuff. I think there's actually a proverb that says an inheritance gained too early in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. And that's like the lotto winner, right? It's like, if you get too much too soon, it can crush you. Or if you get too much too soon, you're not going to be able to steward it or handle it. So we've been blessed with a lot of growth. But on the flip side, I'm also glad that we've also not grown, if you will, that fast. Because sometimes hyper growth could kill you or destroy you or you're not really ready for it. And you could, have, you could fall just as fast as you rise and so it's been stages. The relationship with Heather, the relationship is growing as a leader, the relationship of, of learning about team, the relationship of the mistakes we've made in, in not being good at hiring or being clear up front or, or having good expectations or even fully vetting somebody or even full, you know, all these different things. You learn all these lessons and man, that's, that's the name of the game. You have to be willing that to, if you will, entrepreneurship, I believe, is painting the airplane while it's flying. Damn. Painting the airplane while it's flying. Fighter pilot. Fighter pilot. And which is gnarly because like paint spraying, it's out there and you're like on the wing, all this air in your face. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, or they, I guess I kind of just modified the building the airplane while you jumped off the cliff or something. Jump off the cliff and then hope to build an airplane before you hit the ground. Kind of is the deal. You just jump right in and, uh, and take it one day at a time. Yeah. And you don't know what you're capable until you just jump. That's the thing, right? It's like, sometimes you need that pressure. You need pressure to put you into the right. There's a, there's something about like diamonds, right? Diamonds. Pressure makes diamonds. Pressure, right. Pressure makes diamonds. But it's like, you know, be careful with that pressure, man, because pressure can also kill you. It can, but, it can. You got to be careful. But you, you know, it's funny you say that is because I've also found that even recently, like towards the end of last year, uh, we were getting uh, all of our corporate structure set up a little late in the game, by the way, too, <laughs> like years into the business. Uh, but we were getting our corporate structure really dialed, getting our taxes really dialed, getting our whole CPA attorney. Like we're taking all of that to the next lo- level, getting it really dialed, getting our QuickBooks. You know, we paid like $221,000. Cause by the way, we were still going through some health tax, uh, uh, health challenges, especially my, my wife had a couple like botched surgeries and some things and she's our CFO. So going into 2019, we paid something like $221,000 in taxes. We, we, by the way, we are fiscally responsible and we didn't think that was our money. Like some entrepreneurs just spend 100%, not realizing that it's not actually money you're going to keep and they don't uh, have tax preparation. So we were fully prepared to, to pay it, but it hit us all at once at the beginning of 2019 and then we, we paid some uh, forward taxes. 
I think we paid the prior year's taxes. And then, um, and then it all hit me about where we were in October, November, December. And when it hit me at first, I lost my mind. I was like, okay, what? In fact, I was like, we're about 170,000 down still this year, which based on that and some other things, you get it, but I mean, whatever. And I was like, you know, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, but exactly what you said, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it actually changed me. By the way, you need a good information. You need a good information flow. You need to know your numbers, right, as an entrepreneur. And so as, as a, that was, it was good to be looking at the truth, like Peter uh, Drucker or whoever wrote Good to Great. It wasn't Peter Drucker. Uh, Jim Collins. And he wrote, um, you know, you want to have like an unceasing optimism that the future will bring about good results, but also like a brutal, sober reality about what is actually happening and about what the real numbers say. And, and well, this all goes back to your point about pressure. It just lit a fire in me. It lit, it lit about 48 hours of absolutely crippling anxiety and stress. But then I had that turning point of, uh, of okay, so we're down. Okay, this is fine. So what am I going to do? Go create something. Go launch something. Go, go dial in our offers. And we did. I, I got to work. Uh, you know, rally the team. Not from fear. Not from haste because haste makes mistakes but urgency and just thought this is all this is 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 the natural stage of where we're at and even from a profitability standpoint we were super profitable it was just that that year on the books two hundred and twenty one thousand dollars which is not tax deductible to the irs will set your books back a little bit in a year and so we just started chipping away and making forward progress and freaking crushed the last two months of the year and built massive momentum going into 2020 all that to say is that pressure can be propulsion. It can be that jet fuel that when you go, okay, this is just a challenge for me to rise to the occasion. Pressure is that propulsion. So, Sean, if you could go back when I'm thinking right before, you know, all your, your wife's health issues, you know, you're coasting through life, you're doing what you got to do, you're, you're not taking these next steps and leaps and boundaries, and you have this crazy moment where all of a sudden you can go back in time and talk to yourself. And you're like, listen, little Sean, this is big Sean. I got to talk to you. I can say one, two, or three things that would have saved you a ton of time, money, and maybe heartache. You know, what would those three things have been that you would have told yourself that might have just saved you so much time, heart, heartache, and headache? I think the first thing would be don't let your small town keep you small minded. I come from a small town and I found that and this is not meant to be judgmental. Uh, but that the small thinking of people around you or a small town can actually keep your calling potential capped. And it was exposure to bigger thinking, bigger, uh, how big the world is, eventually a location change, which maybe you can't do a location change. This is why I'd encourage travel or encourage getting to events, or encourage getting around others, because it was that for me that actually broke me out of that. The truth is, I have all this vision now and all this ambition now. I, that was not always like that. I was living in a small town, and I had a really small vision. I was living in a small town, and I didn't have ambition for anything. And if it wasn't for actually coaches and mentors and exposure to more, and so that's what I would encourage people, that that there is so much more for you that actually I believe that all of us, me currently, are usually probably living 
short of our God-given potential. And, and that's, but why wouldn't we be? I mean, you just think about what the human, uh, what, what humans are capable of. I just heard of a guy, my friend texted me because I'm, I'm running marathons now, half marathons. My 2020 goal is to run a full marathon. And some dude just ran 43 ultra marathons in like 43 days. And that doesn't inspire me to run an ultra marathon. I don't even desire to yet, right? It just makes me think, okay, I could probably run a full one. You know, I've run a half one. And when I finished it, I was like, dear God, there's no way I'd ever be able to run a full one. And then I'm like, dude, some dude ran 43 in 43 days. My potential is probably bigger than I've priorly thought. I'm saying don't limit yourself. I'm saying get exposed to bigger thinking, dream bigger, think bigger, even if it's hard to stretch yourself. You know, the human mind is like plastic, not elastic. A rubber, you know, a rubber brand elastic, when you stretch it, it always goes back to the same size. But a plastic bag, if you think about stretching that, you stretch it, but it stays, at the same, it stays bigger. Get into places that stretch you, and then you will actually experience higher capacity. That's number one. I think number two is get help sooner and take risks sooner. I mean, I still played it safe for so long, afraid to invest a little bit of money into like some software for my company, afraid to invest and stretch myself, ego that held me back from getting help sooner and from growing into leadership and true business leadership and not just being a technician sooner. I read the good book, E-Myth. Again, I'd recommend it. I didn't finish it. I should have finished it uh, Finished it, and not like throwing it across the room and been like, I'm not McDonald's. Guess what I am? Everybody is. Everybody can benefit from team, systems, hiring, delegation. It was pride that made me say, well, I'm a creative. I'm not making just formulaic burgers. Therefore, this isn't applied to me. It did, but I actually shut it down for a couple of years out of, out of short-sightedness. Get help sooner and don't be afraid to slow down to, you, to speed up and, and take risks sooner. And then that third one would be that uh, kind of, I'm taking this quote from either Bill Gates or Tony Robbins, but it's uh, most people overestimate what they can accomplish in one year but they underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. And I think that in today's world, social media, online marketing, the story of the 1% of the 1% of startups that just experience hyper growth and go to the moon have caused us to be a little bit delusional and think that success is a viral video or success happens overnight or success is even in six months or success is even in six years. I think there's something about getting a mindset of longevity and patience and committing to the long haul that when you get, when you just build your thing, build your business, write that book, you know, work towards that book, work towards that thought leadership or, or work towards the influence you're trying to build, shoot those videos, that that breakthrough, and we've, we can't really go into it with time, but I just think about all the people we've interviewed on video influencers. Some people's breakthrough on YouTube, it came at year five, year seven. And, and what would happen if they gave up before the breakthrough? And so there's something about committing to the long game. And every, we all want, even like as we record this, it's 2020, it's a new decade. All right, this is my year. Well, dude, every year is your year. Every year is your year to plant seeds, but sometimes seeds take years of watering, nurturing. The weather is going to control what happens to them 
just keep watering them, keep nurturing them and keep planting seeds because the law of sowing and reaping is that you're going to reap what you sow. So if you keep sowing into your education and your learning and your outputs and prolific quality work like Picasso, over 5,000 outputs of sculptures and, and paintings and etchings and hand drawings, he was prolific. And you look at all the great artists, they were pro prolific. And by the way, not all their stuff was good. They just put out a lot of freaking stuff, you know? And so when you just, whatever your thing is, you just keep at it. You might not be experiencing success in year eight and a half, but what happens at year 11 when like everything changes and that's when you see it, commit to the long haul, be patient. I would tell young Sean, bro, it's not even going to be what you dreamed of in a few years. And even six years from now, it's still not going to look fully what you thought it was going to look like. But if I would have told 21-year-old Sean what 35-year-old Sean would be experiencing in 2020, dude, I would have passed out. I, there's no way I probably I could have imagined what we're experiencing today in our business. So commit to that long haul. Don't give up. And uh, it's about that patience. There it is, the patience. David Goggins' rule of life from his book, Can't Hurt Me. Mm. You're only at 40% of your max potential. 40% whenever you think you can't do anything more. But I mean, he always says, stay hard, man. Stay hard. And that's clearly where you're at. And I love that answer. It was very thorough. I know we don't have all the time in the world. So, you know, can you do us a quick favor? How can more people, if they want to follow the journey of Sean Canal, maybe on Instagram or, or anything else you'd like to offer, could you let them know where to, where to find you? Yeah, would love to uh, connect Sean Cannell everywhere on social, S-E-A-N, Sean, and last name Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel, spelled C-A-N-N-E-L-L, -L. and that's Twitter, Instagram, I uh, love to answer questions, DMs, whatever, and then um, uh, Think Media on YouTube, the word Think, space media, we just launched a new podcast called Think Marketing, and a new YouTube channel, it's a video podcast, Think Marketing, Talking about uh, specifically YouTube too. Uh, you know, video is king. Video, social media examiner studied video is the preferred content format of choice. All platforms now have video, Facebook, Instagram, as people know. So mastering video, helping with YouTube. Check, uh, check out the podcast, the YouTube channels, just here to help people and um, figure out how to navigate this crazy landscape of video marketing in 2020 and beyond. Boom, there it is, Sean Canal the man, the myth, the legend. Looking forward to staying in touch, following your journey, and thanks for sharing all this and nuggets with the audience. We really appreciate you. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks for having me on. All right, till next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.